Hello and welcome to episode six. I'm Isaac and you're listening to the What Else Are We Doing podcast. Let's go. All right, and welcome everybody. Uh, this is the first episode with uh, with guests. It is uh, <laughs> it's it's episode six, just for clarification. But um, just to kind of explain, this is kind of how it's going to work when Ethan and I go back to our respective schools for college, because um, we will be uh, talking to people that we know. Um, so our first guest is Uncle Dave. Uh, if you want to introduce yourself. Uh. Hello. <laughs> My name is Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave. Yep. And uh, Uncle Dave, what do, you, uh, what do you do for a living? I sell apples on the corner. On the corner. All right. That's great. Um, <laughs> if, if the viewers can't already tell, uh, Uncle Dave is a, uh, a big uh, jokester. He... <laughs> He uh he has he has a quite the sense of humor, um but but he he de- definitely likes to to joke. But he is a judge in Akron, Ohio, surprisingly enough. Barberton, Ohio. Barberton, Ohio. Yeah, uh, close enough to Akron, but yeah. Just a kid from Barberton. Barberton. <laughs> um, but but actually we have we have lots to talk about. Um, so he just returned from Cooperstown. Uh, home of the Baseball Hall of Fame, and uh, I, I, I think uh, I think if I if I am, am saying this correctly, this has like been one of your goals for a while. Gosh, I don't know if it was a goal. It was just certainly a incredible, fortunate, mind blowing, surreal happenstance. Yeah. So uh, what what are the what are the, the the quick highlights that you could think about? Well, the quick highlights are that the reason I was in Cooperstown in the first place is uh, I was born and raised in Akron, and our Cleveland Indians beat writer for, oh, so many years was uh, an incredible man named Sheldon Oker. Uh, Living in this community, uh, I've traveled in a lot of the same social circles as Mr. Oker, and when uh, the... Baseball Writers Committee selected um, their inductee. They tapped Sheldon Oker for his 33 years of grinding it out on the Cleveland Indians sports beat. Uh, Sheldon was also the president of the Baseball Writers Association of America, and uh, he was the selection, joining the likes of Dan Shaughnessy, uh, Peter Gammons, uh, Jim Murray, and going way back, uh, Grantland Rice, Damon Runyon, Ring Lardner. So it was an incredibly high honor. Um, when Sheldon was elected, he learned that he could invite uh, 20 people uh, to join his induction party. And I was fortunate to have made the cut. Well, there you go. Look at that. Um, and so one of our... Uh, Cleveland fan favorites, Jim Tomey, was being inducted in the Hall of Fame. So was that just kind of like an extra add-on that was was pretty cool? It was icing on the cake because um, growing up in the 90s, uh, Jim Tomey Tomey was the family favorite by far. Um, My daughters, Emma and Hannah. Emma, uh, who is actually sitting right next to us right now. Listening. Intently, with a big smile on her face. Very much so. Um, whenever Jim Tomey came to the plate, we had this little ritual in our home that uh, Emma and her sister Hannah would rub their tummies. We affectionately called it Tomey Tummy. And every time they rubbed their tummy, more often than not, Jim Tomey hit a home run. So every time he came to the plate, we all just stopped what we were doing, declared a Tomey Tummy. And everybody rubbed, and there you have it. And uh, Jim Tomey didn't disappoint, was an absolute 
gentleman on and off the field, and uh, we came to love him, even though he was the first LeBron James leaving us uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies, but that's another story, and I'm not sure that that was entirely Jim's choice. Right, right. Um, and also, so we have a lot of um, a lot of Cardinals fans that listen to this podcast. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> given given that we're, we're we're kind of based out of St. Louis, but you you kind of have a funny story about uh, Indians general manager Chris Antonetti uh, in a photo that we, uh, that I think a lot of the Cardinals fans would appreciate. Well, we were uh, at a party uh, hosted by the Cleveland Indians to honor Jim Tomey's efforts and uh, Sheldon Oker, and um, as we were there. There was a bit of a mini reunion taking place. Uh, first, there was Mike Hargrove with Jim Tomey and Carlos Baerga. And uh, they were soon joined by John Hart, who was the general manager that built the team in the 90s. Uh, his second in command uh, was Dan O'Dowd, uh, who later left to join the Colorado Rockies organization, and uh, he was there, and next came Mark Shapiro, and Mark obviously uh, took up the charge um, and the leadership position when John Hart went to Baltimore, I believe, and uh, so he was there, and he then hired Chris Antonetti. Well, Chris Antonetti is the president GM of the organization, and everybody was calling him over to join the picture. And on his way over, his phone rang. He looked at it, and he goes, darn it, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. i got to take this call. <laughs> Where that went and what that was about, we'll never know, although Oscar Mercado did join yeah, the team. Yeah, I was going to say they, they and, did do um, a deal. But that is pure conjecture, and I'm sure as any GM would tell you, they probably – he probably took 200 calls that week. Oh, right, right. Well, and it, yeah, fitting because of the Baseball Hall of Fame and the, the trade deadline. There was just a lot going on in baseball. But, um, but anyway, we'll, we'll transition. Uh, so back in, I believe, 2008, you were elected as a judge, back in a much simpler time in our country, <laughs> one could say. Um, so um, kind of take us through how you got to that status? Well, let's see. I uh, started in my legal career um, in 1991. I was uh, tapped to be a prosecutor by a uh, college uh, friend of mine, or a law school friend of mine, rather, um, since this may be a sports-oriented uh, podcast. Uh, that was uh, fellow is Marty Bodner, a Akron and Barberton, Ohio legend. Um, he and his twin brother Mark led the uh, Barberton Magics along with a, uh, a player by the name of Carter Scott. And uh, the Bodner twins and Carter Scott and the rest of that team ended up winning the state title, kind of Hoosier-esque, um, little town. Um, up against all odds. Well, the Bodner twins ended up going to the University of Michigan and becoming uh, D1 Big Ten players. Carter Scott went to Ohio State. And uh, after the Bodner brothers' career, uh, Marty went back to Barberton, uh, was elected law director, saw me at a basketball game one night, and said, hey, I'm looking for a prosecutor. I said, hey, Marty, I didn't even take uh, criminal law. Um, he goes, well, that's all right. You'll pick it up. And he hired me, and sure enough, I started, <clears throat> had 16 years as a prosecutor when my predecessor suddenly decided to step down, throwing uh, that race open to all comers. There were six of us that were in the race. I jumped in and uh, was fortunate enough to be elected. Well, yeah, and, and, and I think um, since you... Um, since you became a judge back in 2008, you've done a lot um, on the mental health front as well for at least the municipal courts here in Ohio. Um, through and, and to a lot of the listeners that know, I personally am, am also very passionate about mental health, and obviously it's it's a huge problem in this country. 
Um, can you kind of explain what um, you did and how that is kind of um, setting a precedent for other courts? Well, first of all, the type of people I see in my court are the uh, my, are the misdemeanor offenses. Um, I handle all cases from speeding tickets on up to uh, domestic violence, um, DUIs, theft, um, and uh, driving under suspension. So, in essence, um, I think 85% of all people that get in trouble will come through the municipal court. Uh, the big game. Uh, murders, rapes, arsons, uh, they get handled in Ohio in a court known as the Common Pleas. But <clears throat> we have a chance to see everyone usually um, in the throes of their first problems with the criminal justice system. Well, you see lots of people, and lots of people are, I guess, damaged in some way or another, um, either through substance abuse, um, drugs or alcohol, um, but those people, fair or unfair, um, a lot of people sometimes look at them and say, well, they did this to themselves. Well, when you find them, they still need help and they still need assistance, and there's been a lot of drug courts <clears throat> that have cropped up in recovery courts, but I was particularly focused on folks that had an obvious mental illness because they didn't do this to themselves. Um, they were born with an organic problem, and sometimes um, as a byproduct of that mental illness, sometimes they do turn to drugs to maybe quiet the voices they're hearing in their head, or maybe they just make some bad decisions, or maybe are misunderstood by police officers when they are uh, in crisis and find themselves uh, before me. Well, I decided that those are the people that needed special attention. Uh, prison or jail was not the place to treat mental illness. Um, so I decided to start a mental health court so these people didn't have the additional burden of having any kind of criminal record, but that really wasn't it. <clears throat> I wanted them to have a place that they can come to and be held accountable um, a little bit, um, and by accountability, I mean we set up a case manager, we come up with a treatment program, and we try to have somebody make sure that they're attending their appointments, maybe if there is something that can be medically assisted, that they take their meds, uh, they maybe look for jobs and try to get their lives back in balance and, and functioning. So I uh, always had a soft spot in my heart to try to help those folks that really didn't have a, a real chance to, uh, uh, or a support system oftentimes to deal with their issues. Right, and, and I think, uh, you know, personally too, with going into the, the field that I am in social work, that that's a huge problem in our country. Um, and it's really great to see people in authority positions able to um, make a difference in that regard. And, and so, um, you know, and, and has it has it gone further than your court, or has it kind of stayed in the Barberton Akron area? Or well, I have lots of models um, of courts that have throughout the country attempted to address this in certain ways. Every uh, city or community has varying degrees of resources that are available uh, to them. We're fortunate here in Akron, Ohio, that. We are really the birthplace of assistance. Um, Dr. Uh, Bob Smith founded uh, AA here in Akron, and every year people come back here, and um, they have lots of events surrounding recovery and help, and we've extended that here to uh, treatment community and also um, to even... Um, having a strong victim's assistance presence um, to help. So we're a very helpful community. We have resources here, um, but we also draw upon some of the other um, mental health courts around the country because we really aren't really interested in recreating the wheel, but you know, using the best practices that have already been developed. Right, and that's great. And um, 
you know, and, and real quick, just before we, we switch topics too, um, there are a lot of college age students that listen to this podcast, um, and aspiring future lawyers, judges in the legal system. Uh, any quick advice for those my age? Quick advice to anybody your age, I would tell anyone, and I give this advice to anybody that has designs on going to college, take as much English as you can stomach because it doesn't matter what you're going to do in life. You are going to, to be very successful, need to communicate your ideas, and um, whether you want to be a police officer, you're going to have to write police reports. If you're going to be a salesman, you're going to have to create proposals. Um, again, if you're going to get into the law, you are going to need to research and advocate going to be a doctor, I know they get teased about their handwriting, but they're going to have to be able to process and write down and document. So take as much English as you can stand. I know it's not easy, and a lot of times it's not fun, but it does train your mind and give you, um, again, a much-needed skill set that is transferable to any profession as you move through life. Right, and that's, uh, and that's, that's some very solid advice. Um, so moving on to uh, more of a more fun topic, uh, you you have you have a fascination and obsession with uh, the game, the mobile game Pokemon Go, and you actually were just featured in Ohio.com and got some some news coverage uh, for this fascination. Um, so I guess um, where I, I think it was two years ago last time. Uh, or the first time I ever heard heard that you were into Pokemon Go. Uh, how, how did you first get into it? So now I take off my robe and don my persona as Judgesar. There you go. Pokemaster. <laughs> I, uh, and just so everybody knows, uh, I am a level 40, so uh, I am not to be trifled with. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a level 40 is out of... Level out of... 40 right now is the highest level you can achieve oh. in Pokemon. Uh, until they decide to expand uh, their levels. Wow. But, uh, so, you all, you, so you essentially beat the game. I don't know about it beat the game, but I have accomplished all the goals that have been put before me by the good folks at Niantic, and um, I've been on the grind for two years. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so so what what is your fascination with it? Why, why is it so... Oh, why, uh, why, why, why? Good question. Um, <clears throat> I kind of came to the game um, when I um, had my girlfriend's two sons who were um, a couple years behind my daughters who weren't quite caught up in the Pokemon craze, uh, nor was I. I couldn't tell you the first thing about Pokemon. Um, I knew it was just a cool game that they had a group of friends that traded cards and they all had these uh, interesting move sets and uh, but that was about it well when this game was introduced all of a sudden um, guys that were in the house just glued to their video games were suddenly outside running around trying to catch them all on their little smartphones and I thought this is genius. It's getting all these lumps out of their <laughs> out of their houses and out there doing something productive, getting exercises. And so I wanted to see what it was all about. And next thing I know, that uh, 13-year-old kid in me came out. And, um, and that competitive kid in me came out, too. I said, I'm not going to let them beat me at this game. I'm going to, you know, try to stay with them level for level and... Uh, so I kind of learned the game, and really, I just wanted to catch them all. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and and I think, uh, and and for so you so you think that it kind of because um, my I, I was think that like my generation was one of the last ones to probably play outside. At least when I was a kid, I used to play outside all the time. I think my sister Sophia's generation kind of was like, or we're in the same generation, but like age group was kind of the last ones to kind of. It was it was a little bit of both inside and outside, but transitioning more into the inside. Um, so you think that this is like the modern day getting your getting your kids outside to do something? That's the way I looked at it. I mean, judging from the model, when um, you know my kids were certainly active. Um, you know, Emma was a world class softball player. Um, certainly could have 
played Division One right. uh, softball if she wished, and my uh, oldest daughter was also a multi-talented athlete, but then took her skills to ballroom dancing, and so neither of them, uh, we didn't have video games in our house. Um, not that we were anti-video game, but we were just too much on the move, and uh, yeah. you know, the girls being in all the sports they were in needed to develop some real great time management skills, and that would have been a time suck that they couldn't afford, and uh, so they never had it, so I never really quite understood it, but... <clears throat> When I um, saw my girlfriend's kids, uh, they were all about Grand Theft Auto, Destiny, uh, any kind of shooter games, um, uh, you name it. And they were just transfixed. Now, in a weird sense, I saw that they would have headsets on and they would be talking to their friends in Iowa or Russia right. or whatever, which was kind of cool in its own right, but... They weren't out getting exercise. They weren't going out and, right. um, you know, and doing the things that <clears throat> that we knew. And so I was just thrilled that there was something that got people out. And once I got out there, I developed there was just this whole cool community, and everybody naturally thought <clears throat> that they were all kids. Well, I start seeing people my age or older, and um, next thing I knew, it was just a community. And the interesting thing about the Pokemon Go game is you can't go anywhere on any Niantic website and find the instructions about how to play the game, what to do, what the goals are. There are blog posts. There are, um, you know, the Silk Road and any number of other sites that people share information, that they learn, that people now have uh, <clears throat> maybe access to the to the data codes and, and are able to predict what's about to come out. But you have to rely on the community to share information and people would just talk to each other as they were walking and sharing information and that's how I learned. We all learn from one another. Right. And it was really cool to see these kids talking to a, you know, an older guy and then um, two of my best friends that play, um, one lady is 72 years old, she had lost her sister um, she had lost her family. She was in the throes of depression, and her friend said, hey, you need to get out and maybe start playing this game. And now she drives around, and she has three smartphones and three different <laughs> accounts, and wow. she's playing, and we text each other, and you know, they say, hey, there's a uh, level five raid going on over uh, here. Can you make it? And <laughs> obviously I work, but if it's at lunchtime and I can sneak out, I'll go join the raid. Um, and, um, and it's just really kind of neat to develop friendships and, and see how caring the community is. And, and I love that. And, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, I've discovered that a lot of the kids that played Pokemon seemed to be kids that were, um, I guess, charitably on the spectrum. Um, they were introverts, but highly knowledgeable and um you know and some kids openly say you know when we joke i remember one kid by that i loved he goes by the name of streak somebody'd make a joke and he'd go you know he wouldn't understand it and he would just look at everybody and go um when somebody would say hey that was a joke he goes i'm autistic i don't get humor you know and just <laughs> freely goes ahead and talks about that but you know right. it's really nice to recognize this and and you know incorporate everybody and no judgment and it's just fun and that's yeah I that's love great and, that, and that's great too you know you got multi-age groups doing this too especially mm -hmm. um in in the community but anyway we'll, we'll uh we'll move to the next topic so before i get into this one um i think it would be good now that i am sitting down with family members from akron ohio um that can explain where my Cleveland sports fandom comes from because I have a lot of people who tell me the way that I root for sports is wrong or I can't be fans of the Cardinals and the Indians or the the you know St. Louis sports and Cleveland sports but I think you guys can attest that this has been my entire life um so I guess where where do we get this Cleveland sports fandom from what is it 
what does it mean to be a Cleveland sports fan? And Emma, if you want to chime in on this one, you are more than welcome to. The matriarch of the family, Janice Oh, yeah, we, we did not. We, we uh, forgot to mention my grandmother is also sitting here. <laughs> no, I think it came from Grandpa, who loved to go to the baseball games. Right. And uh, he, would, he would take all the family members, and then we would go, especially for his birthday or Father's Day. And I mean, it was something, and we listened to the radio if it wasn't on TV. And I just think that it came down from Grandpa's love of sports. Love of sports, right. And, and Grandpa, uh, he, he had a funny way of going to these, these games. Uh, he would leave, even with the Cleveland Browns, my, my dad used to say he would go from, or he would wake him up at like 8 p.m. and drive up to Cleveland and be there, what, like three hours. They'd be in their seats three hours before the game started. So he was—he didn't mess around with any of that. But no, we used to go out for breakfast. Right, that was his joy—is to have breakfast, and then go over and then walk over to the stadium. Right, right, yeah. That was one of his uh, joys is Ex- to have the family with him. Exactly, yeah, and and it and it and it really is a huge thing, a, a huge part of our our family. Um, it, it's more than just a, a a sport. It's more than just a game. Um, it is the fish family. Uh, I'm trying to find a word for it, but it, it, it yeah, we, we, we take our Cleveland sports very seriously, but also just to explain to the listeners, I am from St. Louis and I am also a Cardinals fan and that is okay. <laughs> um, well, they're both in two different leagues too, the Indians and the, uh, and the, the Cardinals. Um, I have an obsession with LeBron James as well. Um, and we are actually sitting currently in LeBron James's hometown, um, so I guess um, we could also probably get into rehashing the um, 2016 NBA championship because I was fortunate enough to be standing next to Emma and Uncle Dave during that. And uh, I guess what being the Cleveland fans that you guys are, what what did that what did that mean to not only the city of Cleveland but to our our family. Well, I just sent a text of Grandma podcasting to my um, builder and developer by accident. So <laughs> he's going to be really intrigued when he gets these pictures. You hate when that happens. <laughs> when all I'm looking to do, or they're looking to do, is confirm when they can come and maybe maybe they touch need up a, the paint job in my house. Maybe they need to build a a special podcasting room. Just for this, <laughs> this occasion. Here I'm texting. Oops. <laughs> uh, so back to your uh, your question about LeBron. Uh, 2016. Because so. I was I was with Emma and and uh, Uncle Dave when that happened. Um, and my and my brother and our cousin, our cousin Dustin. Um, yeah. So what what did that mean to not only the 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 city of Cleveland but to to our family? And it happened on um, Father's Day. Well, I mean, the curse was broken. Um, <laughs> for you guys, you don't know suffering like I know suffering. I mean, I'm 59 years old, and there hasn't been a championship in my sentient being years. I think uh, the closest we had was the Cleveland Browns 64. won the AFL championship with Jim Brown, but I was six years old and uh, had no real um, comprehension, but there have been no World Series in my lifetime. We've been there uh, three times and lost all three, um, mostly in agonizing, gut-wrenching fashion, Um, but not near as bad as the Browns, um, who lead the world in agonizing, gut-wrenching losses. Uh, <laughs> the Browns have yet to even uh, be in a Super Bowl as one of the storied franchises of the uh, NFL and the old AFL. Um, we all know about the drive, and we all know about the fumble, and we know about Red Right 88, but um, we also were starting to go down that same path with the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, 
they finally did make it to an NBA Finals when LeBron was young and didn't have really uh, a quality supporting cast. They call it a JV squad. (laughs) Yeah, they were swept by the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Um, But, you know, that doesn't talk about even the heartache of the previous Cavaliers um, who were always – we had the bad fortune of coming up against Michael Jordan – in the Michael Jordan years, and we all know about the shot over Jordan over Elo, but um, the Cavs lost to the Golden State Warriors the year before, um, largely due to great misfortune when Kevin Love um, had his arm yanked out by Kelly Olenek, and uh, and then uh, Kyrie was having the first or second or third or fourth of his knee problems. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, uh, I think he broke he broke his kneecap, kneecap in game 1 which that sounds very painful. <laughs> I don't want to ever experience what that is like. So we uh we didn't have much good fortune that year, but uh the following year we finally 2016 broke the long-standing curse that people of my age took as a a personal burden we thought it was our fault that the (laughs) Browns kept in the Cavs and the Indians and all Cleveland sports teams kept losing because we were cursed and uh, so when that curse was broken um, boy I think if we go back to 1948 which is when the Indians won the World Series we were talking about a 70 year old curse that was finally lifted and 1.3 million people came and celebrated um, the Cavaliers and LeBron. LeBron delivered. Yeah, and and, and, and from people who aren't from here or or who know the culture here, obviously I'm not from here, but I, I grew up here as well through the years of my life. Um, they don't understand, I guess, how, um, how big that was that he got it done compared because you know if for people that don't know Cleveland sports and I think I, re- I mentioned this on a recent or on on a previous episode Cleveland sports uh the the town the town is a football town Cleveland is a football town before it's anything else and this, so it goes it goes um Browns uh Indians and Cavs and so the Cavs are like the third strongest fan base in Cleveland and they're the ones that broke the curse but them doing it with LeBron I, I feel like people don't understand, I guess, what that means being from here and also delivering that. Well, I mean, obviously it was very important to LeBron um, because it's what he promised, and um, he personally just shouldered a lot of the burden, um, taking teams that others have suggested were lesser. But, um, you know, I don't know when you have Kevin Love and you have Kyrie Irving. That was a pretty strong team and pretty strong um, a supporting cast. I mean, it was so strong that the Golden State Warriors felt that they had to go out and get Kevin Durant to uh, stay on top of that, thereby wrecking the uh, the balance, uh, competitive balance in the NBA forevermore. Um, right. But it was big for LeBron and uh, and big for the community who also had just such a fatalistic nature because (laughs) we were going to lose. It didn't matter what we did. We always looked for ways to figure out how we're going to lose this. I think after game, I want to say game four of that series, I looked at my dad and said, why, why did you raise me a Cleveland sports fan? (laughs) And he said, and he said, it makes you tough. It does. That's what he said. It makes you tough. tough. But I always say too, it is, is, um, you know, those bandwagon Patriots fans, bandwagon Yankee fans, bandwagon Lakers fans, they can celebrate as many championships as they want. But until you experience how um, how great it feels, how how huge it is to win a championship after being in a drought like that, that's probably, at least in my opinion, more than any of those people can celebrate 10 to 15 whatever championships they want. That one championship right there meant more than any of those possibly could, at least for me personally. But and the fact too, my brother uh, brought up a really good point when that happened. Um, he, I think he made a post on Facebook or Instagram or something. It happened on Father's Day. Yeah. Um, and for those of you who, uh, I guess, to dive a little more into my personal life, um, we were kind of talking about my grand, my grandpa earlier on the podcast uh, on this episode, um, and that meant more 
to our family probably um, than anything else could is that it happened on Father's Day, and he is the one who is responsible for us being Cleveland fans, um, you know, how, how important that we take Cleveland sports as if it's a culture. It's way more than just a game. So, yeah, No, Grandpa was amazing that way, and um, as you had indicated, um, you know, Grandpa used to come into Hebrew school class and say, uh, or actually he used to come to uh, the synagogue and we would get the notice that, uh, um, you know, David, uh, you need to go to the principal's office. Uh, and it's like, well, Probably I, not well, your first time. Not my first time. <laughs> what did I do wrong? Yeah. And he goes, well, you just need to go there. And there was my dad on a Sunday morning and said, uh, let's go. We're going to Cleveland. <laughs> go to the Browns game. Bill, yeah. Go, yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I got pulled out of Hebrew <laughs> school more often than not. And uh, <laughs> so, um, and then my dad learned real quickly that I had great scalping skills. And so uh, he would put the kid out there and, I would stick oh, yeah. up my little fingers, and <laughs> I would say, we need to, and, uh, and somebody would come, and we would uh, always buy scalpers tickets, and um, and usually, you know, it was a crapshoot. Sometimes we'd be sitting <laughs> on the 50, sometimes we'd be sitting in the front row, way right. up in the, in the corner of the stadium, and... Uh, Man, that was a great stadium. Right. I got stories for another podcast. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll have you <laughs> on again. But um but yeah, no, and 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 so um to kind of even transition to to more of the personal life story. So obviously you're my uncle, and that means that you're my dad's brother. Uncle Dave. Uncle Dave. Uh and it's it's kind of cool we have grandma sitting here too for this. Um but what what was it like, I guess growing up with my dad when he was maybe my age or a little younger, you know, cause I obviously didn't experience that. I really don't remember. He, uh, he was so young, uh, like two years behind me. Right. I, right. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't be He's bothered. I, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I had my older friends. Um, if I was in the fifth grade, I hung out with sixth graders, you know? Yeah. Right. Nobody right. wanted a third grader. No one out. wanted to even, yeah. yeah it, 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 it's funny. Yeah. It, <laughs> No one wanted to hang out with a with a kid what a two years younger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were all very uh, into our class structure. Right, and, right. You know. Too 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 cool for school. We don't want your little brother running around. Nah, he's a little brother. You know, everybody should have a little brother. You need somebody to, you know, yeah. You needed a quality uh, a quality mate to uh, make fun of and to goof on and give noogies to. Right. And, you know. <laughs> Well, and, and, and I think, um, yeah, my, my dad tells stories. You guys used to wrestle a lot. We did used to wrestle and, a, and, uh, a little bit. Wasn't it after you got your, your cast off for your knee? I did. I you, got, you, uh, blew out, you blew out your knee in football, correct? I, uh, yep. I uh, was once, uh, I think there was an article in our local Beacon Journal that just said that uh, in the football preview that David Fish had the most dangerous job in northeastern Ohio. I had to run behind the uh, offensive line uh, at Firestone High School. and uh, Home uh, of the Black Keys. The home the of way. the Black Keys and Chrissy Hine. For those listeners that are a fan. Many of the uh, members of Debo. And uh, anyhow, uh, I had to run behind that offensive line. The heaviest uh, lineman was 183 pounds. And <laughs> so sure enough, when we went up against the farm boys of uh, Copley High School then, oddly enough, where my daughters ended up going to uh, high school, um, I, uh, they called something up the middle, and sure enough, before I could even get to the middle, <laughs> some big kid came and just drilled me right on the knee, and that was the end of my uh, illustrious football she career. <laughs> so I was in a cast and worked really hard to get out of the cast, <laughs> Um, did all the exercises. First game of the season, Grandma reminds me. And um, so, so that's a really important detail. People forget. Right. Yeah. And so I get out of my cast, and my brother says, oh, "Okay, he's good to go. Let's wrestle." And so we were upstairs in the bedroom, and I uh, was wrestling, and then I kind of. Were, were my, Grandma and Grandpa they were out to dinner or something? They might have been out. Yeah, yeah. might have been out to dinner. <laughs> 
So I did my patented spin move, and as I was spinning, my elbow caught the ledge of the windowsill and crack. <laughs> I uh, then proceeded to break my elbow right the day after I got out of the cast. So back into another cast. <laughs> Timing <laughs> so, on that is, yeah, is not... Was, you must have really enjoyed uh, yeah. a cast cast around that time. It was... Uh, it was what was that? Oh, yeah. They said, they said my dad... My dad, I think my dad called them. Oh, we called them. It the, must have been a long distance call the, back then. The there was restaurant. no cell phones. No, we were out <laughs> huh? Oh, with the, the Mandels. The yeah, and he's like, neighbors. I think I think he described it as, um, he said, uh, um, Mom, Dad, uh, I just, I think I... I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> David might have broke his, uh, <laughs> broke his arm. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it was great. It's always good to have a brother. Right. Um, and so, obviously, you know, we have Grandma sitting here, too. So I, I, I kind of prefaced this one for you before we got on, just so you guys have some time to think about it. But uh, okay. any, any Grandma-appropriate embarrassing stories from your childhood that you can remember of my, of my father? Um, uh, <laughs> Grandma, Grandma said says no. there are no embarrassing stories. I would just say, aside from uh, his whole life being an embarrassment, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> his only brothers can say. Right, right. Tongue firmly planted in cheek. <laughs> How can uh, any life be an embarrassment when he has a beautiful son, and I have a beautiful nephew, uh, and very intelligent and outstanding podcaster, Isaac. Well, thank Fish, you. And, thank uh, you very much. And his uh, somewhat... Talented brother Jacob. And, you know, uh, you know. Actually, <laughs> while we're on Jacob, because the last the last the last episode, we said um, another anti shout out to Jacob because <laughs> he refuses to be on my podcast. What? And I I know. And 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 I I've tried for 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 uh, almost a month now to get. You know, I actually um, I put all this equipment that's in front of us right here in a, in a backpack. I don't know how I fit it in there. I don't know either. This I is got it like through airport Some might see at CNN. Right, right. So I put it in a in my backpack, got it all, lugged it all the way down to Atlanta, and he didn't podcast with me. And he was in town a couple weeks ago, and I tried to get him to podcast with me again, didn't do it. And then I went down to Atlanta, and I was there for four days to watch his child uh, while he was at work, you know, earning earning uh, his living for his family. Uh, no, no, no problem there. Uh, How do you do with the still, poop? Uh, I I actually didn't have to deal with the poop because uh, he didn't poop while you were watching him. He only pooped when Jacob was was there. Oh yep. man! Yep. I, gotta, I can't wait to. I have uh, I had to change a few diapers. That's okay. But okay. but no but no poopy diapers. Okay. Um um, but yeah so <laughs> yeah so I would say. Uh, Did you feed him or just give him water? <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, this is the jokester side of my <laughs> uncle that everyone gets to experience. But um, but um. You know, we we um, definitely um, want Jacob on the podcast, but he's playing hard to get. He's lame. Yeah, I see, that's and that's the and that's the part. Um, that's that's the. I think what you were getting at probably with your your comment about how you know, uh, yeah, Isaac is clearly my favorite uh, nephew. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But um, and Sophia is by far and away my favorite niece. Right. Right, and actually, actually, it's funny because now I have the status of uncle. In That's my, right, you're in Thor's uncle. Right. <laughs> Shout for, out to for the, Thor for the listeners. Uh, Thor is an inside joke amongst the family uh, because my grandmother, um, I believe, Kim. Grandma trying to play it off on <laughs> Kim. Trying again. to play it. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, I guess you have a better. Uh, uh, Way of telling the story because I wasn't there for it, but I definitely Just heard it through the grapevine. Just because the story recorded for posterity, right? The, uh, Isaac, I love to. Uh just talk about random stuff podcast. <laughs> is that the name of the podcast? No, it's the What Else Are We Doing podcast. Oh, What Else Are We Doing podcast. Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> so we're talking today. Uh, today's cutaway vignette is uh, about the naming of uh, Jacob's son, the Heir to the fish uh, throne. Yep. And, um, <laughs> so uh, we were awaiting the uh, pending birth of uh, the prodigal son. And um, <laughs> it was, uh, I got a call 
it was on a Wednesday night. I got a call from my brother, and he had just indicated that Lindsay was going, Lindsay being Jacob's wife, and uh, Lindsay was going to the hospital. Uh, the baby was uh, 10 to 14 days past due, give or take. Uh, it, was about, it was about a week and a half. A week and a half. Yeah. So by my math, that's about 10 days to 14. But right. who's quibbling? Yeah, I th- so. what was it? <laughs> February 23rd. March 1st. He was born March 1st. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, so yeah, she right. was going in. <laughs> it was going to be uh, suggested that uh, they were going to hope to induce and uh, do all the inducing magic that doctors can do, uh, Pitocin, what have you, and, um, and that if she wasn't going to have the child by Friday, that they would probably have to uh, go C-section. So... Um, last word I got Wednesday night was that um, they were just going to the hospital. They were going to wait. Um, nothing was imminent, and Friday was going to be decision day. So this was about 10 o'clock at night. 7.30 in the morning, I get a call from dog grandma. <laughs> and uh, Grandma says, well, did you hear? And I go, yeah, I heard, uh, you know, they got into the hospital and, uh, you know, they're looking to induce maybe by Friday. She goes, no, no. She goes, they had the baby. I go, no, no, no. (laughs) They went to the hospital (laughs) to, you know, watch her and they're going to induce. No, 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 they had the baby. I said, really? She goes, yeah, they uh, apparently, they... um, it was an emergency. Was it? Was it? ended up being a C-section. It correct? ended up being a yeah, C-section, because yeah. I think the the, the, the baby got into a little bit of a distress, yeah. so they had to um, actually perform the the C-section. So I was again, just as surprised as you were because I was uh, coaching a practice for my basketball team, and yeah. I got my I got to my phone and he was born. I was like, oh, oh yeah. all right. <laughs> so anyhow, I said, oh, okay, well, um, and then we were all curious as to what the baby's name was going to be, and uh, so I asked my mom. Um, I said, well, what's the baby's name? And she says, the baby's name is Thor. I go, Thor? <laughs> I said, of all names. And I go, well, what was, what's Thor's middle name? And, you know, who knows? Everybody gets to pick their own names. We had no idea. And she said, B. I don't know that she knew it was Benjamin at the time. <laughs> Which is also my brother's middle name. So it was Thor B. Fish. <laughs> and I go, Thor. So I thought for a moment. <laughs> and my significant other, or other, Jennifer, said, would they name the baby? I go, Thor. She's like, Thor? And she, (laughs) I can't tell this story because, uh, but let's just say that she was not a big fan of the name Thor. (laughs) And I'm trying to talk her down from the ledge um, by saying, well, you know, Sophia's into the Marvel Universe. (laughs) And I thought this was a nod to Sophia because, (laughs) you know, Sophia and they love their sister more than anything. And so they just picked Thor to honor their lovely Sophia. (laughs) So Jennifer wasn't buying it. (laughs) That's the stupidest (laughs) name I've ever heard. (laughs) And so... Yeah, we're going with Thor. I go, well, you know, I don't know Lindsay's background. She might be Swedish or Norwegian yeah. or something. And, and I said, maybe there's like an important, maybe her grandfather's name was Thor. And she goes, Thor, of course. Uh, I can't say what she said then. Yeah. <laughs> but she was not necessarily coming off of Thor and the Thor hate. <laughs> so then she said, to me, why don't you check your text messages and see, you know, if you got anything else? And so I checked my text messages because the only information I had from grandma was, 
that it was Thor. <laughs> and Grandma says she got that information from our cousin Kim, and so who am I to dispute Grandma? We will because, have to fact check that. So <laughs> no. Which now we're throwing Nancy under the bus, so we think that maybe it was Nancy who was the one that was responsible for the Thor fake news. But anyhow, I checked my uh, text message, oh, and it says, Welcome to the world, Theo B. And I go, well, we got Oh, the B. hey, Jen, <laughs> I don't think the baby's name is Thor. <laughs> I think it's Theo. She goes, hmm, I like Theo. <laughs> now, Theo's okay. And so, thus, Thor became Theo, and he became Theo B, and uh, the rest is history. But, but in our family, his name will forever be Thor, because my <laughs> first uh, baby gifts to Thor, um, <laughs> Thor? <laughs> was we went down to... Uh, Disney World, and I uh, shopped liberally at the Marvel store, and um, we his first gift is Thor's hammer that will be with him when it's appropriate to uh, put in the crib, and uh, right. and then we got him. Uh, oh, I got a little Thor shirt and Thor action figures, and so and he will never ever live that one down. He'll forever be for Thor. He will forever be Thor. And, Thor uh, is cool. I mean, there's worse people to be than like Chris Hemsworth. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. the only guy better looking than Chris Hemsworth would be probably Isaac Fish. There we go. There. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, and and I think I think that's a great one to end on, um, but. Yeah, I I think you don't want the embarrassing story about Uncle Brian when he ate his own poop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll end on yeah, that. Yeah, we'll end on that. <laughs> we'll end on that. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and end on that. Um, for all of the the listeners out there, um, with mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> It all comes out at the end, uh, but uh, and rye bread. <laughs> yeah, we we gotta sign off before this gets super. I thought it was chopped liver. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the listeners, uh, you can find me on um, on on <laughs> Instagram at ifish22, um, and we actually just got a a new Twitter. Uh, it's at w e a w d pod. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram at what else are we doing podcast. Um, Ethan and I will hope to be recording on Monday back to the normal episodes. Um, and I guess I will sign off. So I'm Isaac and, uh, thanks for listening. And I'm uncle Dave. And, and, well, and, and, and now Dave. I get to go do Channing Fry and RJ's road trip. And there you go. <laughs> Which is actually also our inspiration for this podcast. But anyway, we'll see you later. <laughs>